And welcome to a Mock Draft Monday edition of the Locked on Longhorns podcast. My name is Patrick Kahn. You can follow me on Twitter at PatSportsGuy. Follow our show, Locked on Longhorns, L-O underscore Longhorns. Follow Cammy at Cammy and G. Cammy, we are on day, well, I don't know how many days we've been quarantined now because they're all running together. I know. I can't keep up, and it's kind of funny because... Every city or state has kind of started their mandatory social distancing and quarantines on different days. So I guess depending on where you live, it's that particular number of days. But I've completely lost track. Um, I guess the only thing that's kind of keeping me going is the creative memes and TikToks and things like that. Uh, people are so bored that they're coming up with hilarious and entertaining content, like with videos and memes and stuff. So I like it because... They're not making light of the situation. They're just kind of referencing what people are doing without toilet paper or bread or what they're choosing to do while they're bored and locked up in their house all day, et cetera. So what have you been doing to stay busy? I've been posting my COVID-19 pickup line of the day on Facebook. I've oh, posted. those are actually hilarious. I've been following some of those. Has any worked so far? Um, No, <laughs> they've not worked, but it's That's funny. That's a hard no. My my favorite one so far is if the coronavirus doesn't take you out, can I? I, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I yeah, saw I'm it, telling I you, there's some funny content coming out. There are some funny content. Um, I'm playing teacher these days with my daughter's school being closed until they said the 27th of March, but they sent enough work to go through April 3rd. So I'm guessing she's going to be being taught by dad for the next two weeks. Wow. Yeah. I have a weird prediction that not weird, but I think personally that the schools are probably going to be closed until mid to late April if they even reopen this, I guess, semester school year. So I'm praying for you because that cannot be easy balancing work and teaching and being a dad. It's it's tough. Let me just tell you. But if it keeps up, my daughter will be getting expelled soon. (laughs) I was just going to ask. Has she uh, gotten suspended or anything like that yet? Not yet. So do you think that with everything going on, it's going to impact the upcoming football season? I'm not sure. I'm starting to get a little worried. I mean, it's such a fluid situation, like we've said. We don't even know if kids are going to be able to go back to school. Um, obviously, that has to happen first. I, If this runs into maybe the May time frame, I'd start getting a little worried. May to June area, but right now I just don't know, but I know some professional athletes and things like that are posting on Twitter right now, starting to get a little worried. So that makes me worried, obviously, but I, I just don't know. I think if it goes into May or June, I'm probably going to start freaking out a little bit because I can't imagine not having a football season, but I'm not sure. What do you think? I don't know what I'm going to do if that, if that's the case, you know, because of how, dependent we are on sports you know at at first I was like you know it's not gonna be too bad you know it's a little break and and give you time to you know catch up on some other things reading a book maybe a project around the house and now I'm getting to the point where I'm like all right I'm bored I need some sports like yeah that's kind of how I viewed it I was at first I was like okay well this probably won't last too long and then started lasting longer and obviously now we're locked up and things like that but I kind of kept telling myself, well, at least it's not football season. But now that it's getting prolonged and things like that, I'm starting to get a little worried. Well, let's let's uh, let's get into a little football talk, shall we? 
Let's do it. Do you want to go ahead and start with the NCAA releasing their top 25? Yeah, uh, let's, let's go ahead and do that. Um, and so in the top 25, they released, they have Texas coming in inside the top 15. Are you surprised by that at all? I mean, top 25 is not a shock, but top 15? Yeah, I'm a bit shocked by that. I know it's just the NCAA's preseason top 25 but this is probably the lowest we've seen them I guess coming in so far over the past month or two when all these predictions started coming out but yeah they have yeah they have them at number 14 I think what shocked me the most is not necessarily that they're at 14 I personally probably would have put them around the number 10 range but um the fact that they have Oklahoma State and Texas A&M ahead of Texas is what shocked me the most Mm, yeah yeah, Mm-mm. I don't buy it. Not one bit. I don't think Oklahoma State's done enough to prove that they're ahead of Texas. I mean, yeah. you can make you can make your argument for A and M, whatever. Um, you, you know what the worst part about this whole COVID nineteen is, right? What? If they cancel football season, we're gonna get to listen to Aggie fans talk about how it was their year. Oh, well, you know what you can bring up? Just that uh, we beat them the last meeting. So that's that usually works for me. <laughs> it does work. It does work. Yeah, no, the putting Texas in the top 15 was, like I said, a bit of a shock considering how the season went. Yes, you could point to the fact that they beat Texas Tech in a blowout fashion, their final home game, and then they absolutely destroyed Utah, which you can argue, well, they didn't have their best defender, but, I mean – Texas was able to do what they wanted to and Utah couldn't do anything at all. So I get that, you know, maybe it's revisionist history, but you know, in terms of voters, they're going to remember what you did last. And so doing what they did to Utah and going into the off season and you're bringing back your quarterback for the most part, your best players on defense, you know, outside of, Brandon Jones coming back, you have to think that there's going to be improvement there. Another top 10 recruiting class. So it's hard not to buy into the hype. But at this point right now, I'm not so much buying into the hype that Texas is a top 15 team right now. I thought maybe top 20 at the highest. But to have them even higher than that was a bit of a shock to me. Yeah, and I think uh, what plays into it as well is uh, basically the whole new coaching staff. So like you mentioned, they have their star quarterback back, a great left tackle. They have uh, two running backs returning. They have the five-star nation's top running back and Bijan Robinson coming in. I mean, they are losing their receiving corps, but um, I think overall it's still solid. So I think coaching staff played a large large role in where they were, where they fell in that particular list at least. Yeah, I think you have to give – some credit to the fact that um, some of the successes or lack thereof in the Tom Herman era, you could point to the defensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator, Uh, you know, they're gone now. Um, They wiped the staff clean for the most part and brought in new staffers. So, you know, there has to be some, some cause for excitement, some cause for, you know, being positive here and believing in what they're doing. But uh, as far as believing in what they're doing, how about this? Ricky Williams seems to believe in Sam Ellinger as a Heisman. 
Oh, he does. He actually went on Austin's 104.9's The Horn recently. Um, and he was kind of hesitant to put too high of expectations on, I guess, the Texas football team as a whole. But he was extremely confident in Sam Ellinger. Um, and he basically said uh, he wants to see Ellinger um, in New York at the end of the year for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. He didn't necessarily say that he should win it, but he said uh, Ellinger should be a finalist at the very least. Um, he admitted that uh, Ellinger kind of can put the team on his back and he shows up in those big moments, but he somewhat blamed the conservative play calling last season, um, especially through the air, and that uh, the receiving corps kind of took a blow and little Jordan Humphrey, he mentioned going to the NFL and Colin Johnson being hurt quite a bit last year and a, a few receivers dropping passes and things like that. But um, obviously that's going to be a great position battle, but he has all the confidence in the world for Ellinger, and I mean that carries some weight coming from a, I guess Texas's last Heisman Trophy winner. It was that long ago in 1998, but um, he believes Ellinger can be the next to do it. So I thought that was interesting. That is interesting, and you know, I guess if you look at it, one Heisman winner would know, wouldn't he? All right. So coming up next, we're going to get into a little bit of recruiting news on the football and basketball side. Okay, while we're on the football topic, we are going to go into a little bit of recruiting because that seems to be the only thing progressing at the moment with everything else put on hold. But um, we were just talking about wide receivers and how we need to strengthen that unit and things like that moving forward. And Texas actually offered a 2022 prospect out of Frisco, Texas. His name is Evan Stewart. Um, it's still fairly early on in the recruiting cycle for his particular class, but uh, 24-7 Sports just released their first release of um, the 2022 class rankings, and he they listed Stewart, uh, the number 15 overall player in the state of Texas, and also the 98th overall player in the country. He's six feet tall. Um, as a sophomore at Liberty High School in 2019, uh, he caught 43 passes for 757 yards and seven touchdowns, so that was kind of his coming back party or coming out party, coming back, coming out party as his uh, first season on varsity. So he's already received offers from uh, top programs such as Auburn, Baylor, Kansas, Texas, things like that. So he's also a two-sport athlete, which Texas is no stranger to. He excels in track and field. Um, he participates in the 200 meters long jump and triple jump. So I thought that was an interesting offer. He could be a high-profile target uh, when it's all said and done in this recruiting class. But um, other than that, he was the latest offer for football. Uh, what's going on over on the basketball side? Well, on the basketball side, Greg Brown Jr. announced that he will be making his commitment on April the 24th. Um, if you followed uh, basketball recruiting at all, Texas has yet to secure a commitment for their 2020 class. And so it'll be interesting to see where he leans. Uh, if you look at crystal ball, predictions 88 percent say texas everything that we've heard and i think it's important that shaka smart stayed it at texas just for the simple fact greg brown said if shaka smart was relieved of his duties he would not commit to texas um, so you're talking about the number one power forward in the country um, you're talking about a top 10 player five-star recruit the thing is, he's a one and done. He's he's said it. His father has said it. He's a one and done kid. So while Texas could use him, 
it's very limited in the fact that it's only going to be for, you know, one season. Right. Man, that just makes me really wish we could have lived out the rest of this uh, past basketball season because I really wanted to see how Texas is going to do in the Big 12 tournament to see whether Shaka kind of solidified his uh, job or whether we were going to move in a different direction. I think that's just still up in the air right now. Yeah, I think, oh, as far as where he, what's going to happen with Shaka, I, I think there's no doubt in my mind he's back next year. Yeah, I think the postponement or cancellation or whatever actually helped him keep his job. I, I, I agree with you 100% because I think if if they would have done something in basketball this year, like say they won a game or two in the tournament, uh, went on to the big, you know, the big dance, March Madness, and won a game or two, uh, I think that would have really helped solidify him. But I think the fact that they essentially canceled the Big 12 tournament and the NCAA tournament helped him keep his job. Um, on the other side, the recruiting, they have a uh, shooting guard out of Nebraska. He's uh, named his top six schools, and he has Texas listed in his top six, competing against schools like Kansas State and Kansas. So, you know, he's uh, another high-profile kid. Uh, he was only a three-star recruit, so he's not as high-profile as Greg Brown. But, you know, he's another kid who who they could possibly use. Uh, but I was thinking about it, if they could get Greg Brown and put him, let's say Jericho Smith decides to stay another year, or Sims, I'm sorry. So you have Jericho Sims and and Greg Brown and and then the three-guard combo between Andrew Jones, Courtney Ramey, Matt Coleman. I think that's a pretty good starting five that could actually make some noise uh, for the Big 12 for Texas. So, you know, I'm hoping that Greg Brown sticks to his gun, stays home, uh, because he plays school at Austin Vandergrift. So I'm hoping that he's going to stay with Texas. That's going to be fun. But I want to switch back over to football. Cammie, what are the coaches on the football side doing right now, considering there's no football for them to – there's no <laughs> spring ball for them to be getting ready for? I know, right? So Texas actually collaborated with the NCAA uh, for the United as One social media campaign over the past week. And it was actually started by, um, I think Mark Jordan is his name from uh, Texas, actually. So Texas and Michigan kind of started it and everyone else, I think, is hopping on board. But um, the University of Texas community is kind of just um, posting on social media and sharing their thoughts, trying to keep the students and athletes and recruits and things like that in a positive mindset. Um, I know coaches like Tom Herman shared a video on Twitter, uh, softball coach Mike White did, uh, baseball coach David Pierce did, the women's tennis coach did, the school president did. So everyone's kind of pitching in just to kind of, uh, I guess, share some hope throughout the community. And Tom Herman actually took it a step further and uh, donated to the uh, Central Texas Food Bank. So I thought that was a kind and obviously a kind and thoughtful act of kindness, but um, he just, uh, I guess, is a role model in a way and is demonstrating in the right ways. So I thought that was nice. But uh, yes, if you've seen any of their social media uh, posts recently, they're all kind of in a positive light um, saying we will all get through this and we'll get back on the field shortly. Um, that's part of the United as one social media campaign with the NCAA. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, it's good to see them using their platforms for something positive. You know, it's right now being as tough as it is on everybody. It's not just for the athletes, not just for coaches. You know, there's so much that's being impacted right now in our daily lives. So it's nice to see 
them using their platform for something positive. And so, you know, hats off to Coach Ehrman and all the coaches there at the University of Texas, as well as the president. They're doing a fantastic job. Coming up next, we're going to get into what we all like to do on Monday, and we're going to do a little mock draft Monday. All right, Cammy, it is mock draft Monday, as we talked about at the top of the show. So we're going to get a little mock draft update, and I believe you were checking out Pro Football Network. I was, and I was actually kind of surprised uh, regarding Pro Football Network's recent NFL mock draft. Um, Obviously, this was post-free agency, and like we always mention, uh, depending on what happens in free agency, it can impact team needs significantly, which can totally jumble up uh, draft boards and things like that. But uh, we did have a few major changes in this one in regards to top Texas players expected to be drafted. Mm -hmm. Um, This is one of the first mock drafts that I've seen where Devin DuVernay has been taken before Brandon Jones, and he was also taken in the third round. They predicted DuVernay to be selected in the third round um, to the Minnesota Vikings with the number 89 overall selection. It's interesting because this seems to be in line with where DuVernay falls on um, several high-profile big boards, but we just have typically seen him drafted in the fifth or sometimes even late fourth round. But obviously the Vikings traded away Diggs, which was their number one receiver to the Bills. So they have a major need now. And Pro Football Network stated that DuVernay possesses world-class speed and could develop into a reliable target for Kirk Cousins. Obviously, we know that uh, watching him throughout his collegiate career. But uh, they had actually next up was Brandon Jones in the fourth round to the Atlanta Falcons with the number um, 119th overall pick. And shortly after that was Colin Johnson taken off the board in the fourth round as well to the Jacksonville Jaguars with the 140th overall pick. But another interesting note is that we actually saw two other Texas players get drafted in this particular mock draft. Um, They've kind of been on the verge of a very late round pick and or undrafted free agents. But this is one of the first mock drafts that I've seen them both drafted in the seventh round. Um, It was offensive lineman Zach Shackelford to the Dallas Cowboys in the seventh round at pick 232. And then, of course, Malcolm Roach to the Cleveland Browns at pick 245. So this one was full of good information. What do you think about all of that? Hmm. Well, Devin to Minnesota makes sense. Like you said, Stefan Diggs has been traded to Buffalo. I find it funny that they said could become a reliable target. If <laughs> we know anything about Devin DuVernay, he is a reliable target. But I, I know it might take some time for him to get adjusted to the NFL level. You know, maybe some of the things that they like to do. So I understand that. But, yeah, he's reliable. Uh, So let's shift gears. And you said Brandon Jones to. Brandon Jones is in the fourth round to the Atlanta Falcons. So I'm still he's still kind of sliding on draft boards for some reason. But um... not this one. Yes. Not the one I read. Oh, good. Uh, So just real quick. And I'll circle back to the PFN mock but i went through draft wire they put together a three-round mock and they still have brandon jones in the third round he was the only one in the three because they only produced a three-round mock and this was posted a couple days ago so they had brandon jones going 82nd overall to the dallas cowboys in the third round interesting 82 might be one of the highest i've seen him I, you know, this isn't the first time I've seen him mocked to the Dallas Cowboys at 82. 
I think I've seen one other one that had him go in there as well. I think it was like Chad Reader or somebody mm-hmm. from NFL.com. And so, yeah, that's an interesting one, you know, with the need they have at safety. You know, they lost uh, Jeff Heath, who was a starter last several years. He He's going to uh, Las Vegas. Still not used to saying that. And yeah. so it makes sense. Brandon Jones, I think Brandon Jones would be a good spot there. Um, so now let's go back to Pro Football Networks. And you had so after, Johnson. Mm-hmm, right after yeah. Brandon Jones, pretty much in the same round. Jacksonville. Yep. Makes sense. They need wide receiver help. Um, hopefully, you know, find uh, Minshew some – some wide receiver help. I, I thought Jacksonville would be a good spot for a player like CD Lamb to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they decide to go another route, I could definitely see them looking at wide receiver later on in the draft if they don't take CD Lamb there in the top 10. Um, and then Shackelford to the Cowboys in the seventh round makes sense um, to a point. Yeah, he would just be kind of a uh, possibly potentially a solid death piece. Uh, he's, uh, that sounds like practice squad to me just because, <laughs> yeah. well, just because they just re-signed Jumbo Joe Looney. Uh-huh. So that makes me think that Shackelford would be a more of a practice squad. And then, and, and then Roach, Malcolm Roach, Malcolm Roach is really tough to project because of how he was used at Texas versus how he's likely to be used at the next level. Right. You know, not, not a guy who was a starter and, he just didn't seem to fit the scheme, the three-three-five defense yeah. at Texas. And he's been, run. yeah, and he's been very vocal about that. So he's obviously confident in his abilities, and he's hoping to showcase an NFL team what he's able to do. So you're right; he's very hard to predict. Um, I think yeah, he can definitely he, make an active roster, though. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I don't, I don't question the talent whatsoever. It's just trying to figure out where does he fit, where does he sit and with you know all the limitations they have right now on meeting with teams and such it's hard to really figure out where does he fit where are they going to put him and so but Cleveland probably would be a good spot for him they could use defensive line help um you know you talk about a guy who who went to the uh was the bowl game NFL PA Bowl, I believe. The NFL PA Bowl. I couldn't think of it. But yes, the NFL PA Bowl. He stood out. He was named, I think, like practice player of the week or something like that. He made the all-practice team during their mm-hmm. week of preparation before the game. You know, so he was definitely putting out some good tape. He was definitely showing out to some, you know, NFL team scouts, coaches. So, you know, there's definitely something there. And I think because of how he was using Texas and the lack of production, I think – will help him in terms of landing in a good spot because the teams will be like, well, look, production wasn't good, but, you know, we can get him here in the sixth, seventh round, fill him in. You know, but that brings up my next important question, Cammy. What is the NFL draft going to look like? Uh, I know, and you know what stinks about that is I was so excited that it was going to be in Vegas because they were sharing all those tweets about how a boat would even take them up to the stage and things like that. But um, hopefully in the future we'll get to see that. But it's supposed to be in a virtual kind of studio setting now, 
that they said. So I'm curious to see how they make that happen. But just knowing, I guess, the advancements on the digital side of things uh, recently, it's probably going to be very cool. Uh, but I'm not sure exactly how they're going to get people to tune in to that and kind of how they're going to make their announcements. Like, are they just going to make their announcements to an empty room? Um are they actually going to go up to some type of podium or are they just going to like release the picks? I don't know exactly how they're going to go about it, but I'm assuming they'll find a way to make it, I guess, enjoyable for uh, fans like us. Good news. Roger Goodell doesn't have to worry about getting booed every time he makes a pick. <laughs> I was going to say that would be funny if they put something in like um, some fans booing him, I guess like a sound bite or something, but I'm sure uh, they won't, they won't go that far, but I, I... in terms of, I yeah, say, I doubt the NFL Network would do that. Oh, I know. But in terms of, um, I guess, the way it impacts NFL organizations and things like that, nada, zero. I mean, they're, they're still going to be in their war room doing their thing. Um, and we're probably still going to have those cameras on them in the war room. It's just going to be, I guess, the difference of how the picks are announced as well. Yeah, I think, you know, it's going to be very much like their studio show that they do, like NFL Live or you know, some of their shows where they will talk – you know, have their experts up there, Daniel, Jeremiah. You know, in recent years, it was Mike Mayock, but now he's the general manager, so they'll plug somebody else in there. And I think they're still going to talk about, you know, this guy, that guy. But it'll be interesting to see when one of the Texas Longhorns is selected and see how they go about it. But I think it's going to be like any other studio highlight show. And so, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Lockdown Longhorns podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I tell your smart device to play the latest edition of the Draft Dudes, and we will see you tomorrow. Hook them. You're Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns.